Welcome to the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast. In these episodes, we will explore all things related to gaining a coveted appointment to the Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, and West Point. And here are your hosts, Rob Kirkland and Trish Penrod. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm uh, Lieutenant Colonel Rob Kirkland, and I am joined with (laughs) Captain Trish Dock. And it's great to be here with you guys today. Excited to talk about what it takes to be successful to get into a service academy and an ROTC program um, when you're in ninth and 10th grade. So how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. And that was that's uh, this is a subject that we wanted to discuss for some time because I think that, you know, what we, at least in the past, when we discussed this, you know, uh, all of our previous podcasts, sometimes they're directed at like 11th or 12th graders, and particularly, you know, people who are kind of in their last year to year and a half of getting ready for either an ROTC scholarship or a service academy um, appointment. And, um, you know, but really, I think the most successful candidates that we have dealt with are ones that have you know, had this kind of preparation much, much earlier because they've been able, when they have this idea of earlier in their uh, high school career, they can then do the proper things to prepare themselves for what for what the academies are and ROTC um, programs are expecting of them. And so the earlier start that you get, I think um, the more competitive you're going to be. And so today we're going to really break it down into four categories, which, which would be academics, um, athletics, leadership, and character. And uh, we have a, a blog post on our sites that kind of talk about uh, all break down kind of all four of these areas. And we're certainly today not going to cover every single thing that you need to be concerned about, you know, uh, because that would just be an exhaustive list. But we're just going to highlight um, what we probably think are the major things you should be thinking about, you know, as a uh, ninth and 10th grader. And, and you know, this is not to preclude uh, people in seventh or eighth grade, uh, you know, looking at this also. We just put ninth and 10th as, you know, because it's high school and because, you know, you can affect it immediately. But the earlier you start, I think, you know, the better off you are. And I was going to ask you, Trish, when, what do you, when did you start thinking about the Air Force Academy and start kind of um, fashioning your, you know, your uh, resume? Is it, was it ideal, not so ideal? Uh, <laughs> what do you, what do you wish you had done differently if it wasn't ideal? I, and I don't know, but what? To, no. it, it was absolutely not ideal only because <laughs> I was in the Midwest. I was not exposed to the military in Ohio, didn't really know anything about it. I had a friend approach me and say he was interested in going to the Air Force Academy my junior year, and that was the first time I'd ever heard of it. I did have some interest in flying, and so I was looking at flight programs uh, and decided that I might as well serve my country too at the same time, and like the more I learned about it, just like a lot of students today find a lot of students don't know about the service academies until late in the game. What is it? About 85% don't come from military background that go to service academies. So uh, whether or not you find about the service academies in ninth or 10th grade, you know, that's going to give you an advantage because it's going to set you up. But if you're like me 
And um, I didn't know about the service academies and the Air Force Academy specifically until 11th grade. I had a very late start and I was lucky because I had I was had very supportive adults in my life that could help me get there. My coaches, uh, my guidance counselor, my, my parents were all very supportive of me. But the thing that set me up was that I had started pursuing excellence from from really from middle school. But as soon as I got into high school, I just kept that going. And that's the general theme of what we want to talk about today is really to be successful for a service academy or ROTC scholarship, you have to act like you want to succeed in life, you know, and, and your opportunities are, are endless. You don't want to close anything off. And that starts in ninth and 10th grade, because even if you don't end up going to a service academy or an ROTC program, whatever you end up doing, the habits that you start forming early in high school will establish success and, and help you achieve excellence if you, know, if you decide to go be a car mechanic even. So really what we're talking about today is going to help you succeed in life no matter what you decide to do, but especially it's critical for service academy and for ROTC scholarships. Right. No, that's good. I think, you know, that uh, I agree with everything you're saying there. And really, I mean, this preparation is somewhat the same as getting ready for a good, co- getting ready for a good college and university. You know, the, the, you know, the academics, the, the leadership um, and things like that. Um, I would say for me, compared to you, I'd say I was, you know, I was in Civil Air Patrol in, in middle school, in seventh grade or so, and um, I knew I wanted to do this pretty early. Traitor. You're a traitor. You yeah. you went to Army. <laughs> I know. I did Civil Air Patrol. I went to the Army. Isn't that crazy? But yeah, so, um, so but, but what, but when I got the start early in, in, when I realized, what I realized was that I needed athletics. Uh, I realized I had the academics. I was I was getting ready for there. I you know was doing leadership and civil air patrol and other things. The character piece we'll talk about later was, you know, sort of taken taken care of by civil air patrol to a certain extent. But you know, I, I was in good physical shape, but I hadn't done any sports, and so I realized pretty early that I needed to get sports on my resume. And so that's what spurred me to join a sport in high school was because and of so that. And so what did you join, sir? I joined track and cross country, um, you know, mainly because I, I probably couldn't make the team, you know, in baseball or in you know football or, you know, some skill sport because, you know, even though I think I was a fairly good, well-rounded athlete, you know, I wasn't really, you know, able probably to make the varsity team. Our high school was a fairly competitive high school. That's so, something really interesting that I'd, I'd like to dive into a little bit more once you talk about the rest of your profile. Yeah, definitely. And we can certainly talk about that in the athletic section, too. So so I guess the point that I'm making here is that uh, is that you can take a look if you, the earlier you get to take a look at these things and see where, where you're lacking or see where you can improve, the more runway you'll have in order to be able to improve. So that by the time you're a senior and the academies and ROTC programs are looking at you, you'll have, you know, you'll, you'll have your top notch, um, you know, resume and credentials. I mean, it's just, it's so difficult when we talk to candidates who are, you know, finishing up their junior year and they just don't have something. They don't have an athletic, they haven't done a lot of leadership. Um, Maybe their, you know, SAT scores are low and they haven't done anything to prepare ahead of time. It's just really tough to overcome that that late in the ball game and so the further you can back up and the further you can see what the requirements are and what they're looking for 
I think the better prepared you're going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's uh, tackle the first one here and we'll talk about, you know, academics. Um, so with academics, I kind of break that down into classes meaning, you know, the class to get ready for, uh, you know, for uh, the ROTC or the academies and SAT and ACT. So which one do you want to tackle? Uh, let's talk about classes first. Okay, go ahead. I think that really when you get to high school where you're at, you know, taking, taking a look at the minimum requirements for whatever you're trying to achieve, service academies, ROTC, and realizing that b- – all the programs, they really want a lot of STEM focus. So getting to the minimum of being in pre-calculus your senior year is the bare minimum. And then kind of mapping that backwards. So what do you have to do to get to, at a minimum, pre-calculus, best case, calculus? What you know? Maybe it's summer school. Maybe after your freshman year, you're, you have to get into summer school or, to, or take tutoring to get caught up in some of these subjects. And it's not just math. It's the sciences, too. Uh, so really take, planning that out, thinking ahead, thinking about, okay, this is something I really struggle with. You know, maybe I'm just terrible at biology and I need to make sure that I am successful in this class. So I need to do whatever it takes. I think that for a lot of students, when you see subpar grades, a lot of times it's them, they're just not turning their homework in on time. So, and that's procrastination a lot of time or forgetfulness. And and so organization plays a huge role in that as well. Um, Because if you're organized, you would know that your homework's due tomorrow and you would turn it in on time. And turning your homework in on time makes a huge difference in your grades. Right. And that um, ninth grade is when most of the grade for almost all of the service academies and ROTCs, ninth grade is the kind of the start year for the GPA. Of course, that's the same as a college or university um, is, is they, you know, evaluate you in, in, in the same way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I love the summer school thing to kind of get caught up, um, you know, realizing that, you know, that your GPA starts early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at, you know, when you look at the classes at the, you know, the academies and, and, you know, I think probably when we say the academies, you know, we don't necessarily have to say ROTC all the time because, the academy, if you're if you're prepared for the academies, you're going to be prepared for the ROTC. So we can exactly. probably stick to some of these with ROTC. I mean, with the service academies and mention ROTC on occasion. But you know, but you know, if you take a look at what the freshman year at you know an academy is, it's you know it's you know English, it's you know history slash social science, it's you know chemistry, physics, college chemistry or physics, and math. You know, calculus based math, and so you know. All of those are ones that you know you should be except you know strong in in high school and show to show the academy that you can succeed in those and exceed it exceed in those well and and what what do we, what do you think we mean by well in in as far as grades go? I'd say A's if possible, B's are acceptable every once in a while, a C, and I'm going to start. Yeah. questioning things yeah we have noticed is absolutely we, unacceptable yeah we've noticed that with c's don't we that that c it's if you get a c in a in a course it seems to be from our experience they really hone in on that if that if they want to know why so you may want to look at grade replacement you may want to look at you know taking a course over the summer to replace that grade to get that you know i, I don't know what, what high schools do these certain things but i think they would do grade replacement if you you know could figure out a way to do that in your high school 
especially if, you know, C's are a little bit more acceptable freshman year. The further you go along, the stronger you want your performance to be because you're trying to show the academy is that, okay, I'm, I'm maturing, I'm doing better, I'm figuring things out, and I'm going to be successful at, this, at the academy. But if you can get those habits down when you're a freshman or sophomore in high school, it's just really going to take you through all the way to senior year until you're applying to academies. Right. And then some other uh, courses, you know, that you probably want to look at, you know, certainly a keyboarding course, uh, computer science, uh, maybe economics, uh, psychology, uh, um, what other language? What's that? A language. A lang- oh, yes, of course. That's, that's even more important. I mean, yeah, having a foreign language, because that's going to be a requirement either two or three semesters uh, at at the academy. So yeah, I mean, that's certainly even more important than some of the ones that I mentioned. And so yeah, you you, you put all those together and what you're doing is you're putting it together a resume very quickly uh, for, uh, for you know, the, the academies to look at. Uh, honors courses, you know, obviously, you know, trying to do your best with honors courses, AP courses, uh, you know, certainly show kind of that rigor, uh, but that needs to be balanced, I think. And, you know, and I think you'll reinforce this with me with you know, with kind of what grades you can realistically get in these courses too, because, you know, I don't think, at least from what I've seen that, you know, they're not going to penalize you if you just took a regular course versus an honors course for something, they're going to look at that grade more than perhaps just that it was honors English versus regular English. So you've got to balance those two. And, And if I had to kind of pick between the two, I would probably go with just a regular course with an A rather than an honors course with a B. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, maybe for AP considerations and your GPA, just if the AP class is offered, since that is factored into admissions. However, a lot of these classes have requirements for getting into the honors and getting into the APs. You have to have an A or a B in the, in the prerequisites to get in. So that's, that you can't just jump into to these classes. It's something that has to be planned. Right. And, you know, it's these, the academies are not mind readers. So they're not going to know that, you know, what the difference between honors two or honors one <laughs> or no honors things is. So you just got to realize that, that, you know, that it's, it's going to, you're, you're, your transcript is going to be scrutinized, but, you know, but not maybe to the degree where they may be able to make those determinations between, you know, gradations of, you know, honors Mm -hmm. or uh, non-honors courses. So let grades be your guide. That's a great, uh, a great prep. What about SAT, ACT prep, sir? Yeah. um, Well, you know, my daughter went to one of these prep schools, uh, you know, kind of uh, private prep schools, and she had classmates who would start their SAT and ACT prep in the sixth grade, if you can believe it. So they would be, they would drill SAT from the sixth grade. Now, I think that's a bit extreme, but, um, you know, I think that you know, the sooner that you can get exposed to the SAT and ACT and, and uh, you know, through, you know, taking it multiple times and getting more used to it, I think the better off that you're, you're going to be when you, uh, you know, by the time you get to, you know, your, your senior year. I've seen, we've seen a lot of cases where, you know, a person going into their senior year doesn't have the SAT scores that they're, that they're hoping to get for the academies or ACTs, and, and we're, we're talking about 1,400, uh, over 1,400 with preferably well over 700 on, on, on math or, you know, a 32 ACT. 
And those don't come without practice, but you're a heck of a lot better if you're going into your senior year with those scores rather than trying to go through the fall of your senior year trying to get these those scores up uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, but you know you want to be competitive right away because if you have those types of scores by the time you're entering your senior year, the chances of getting like say a letter of assurance from one of the service academies is higher. So I, my recommendation is is to start your preparation early. The other thing that comes to my mind is that you know, if you're into, say, taking calculus in the 11th grade or calculus A, B in the 11th grade, God, I mean, I was in pre-calculus in 12th grade. So I guess, you know, kids these days are much smarter than I was when I was uh, their age. But but in any event, um, you know, you're, if you're taking calculus in the 11th grade, you've left, you know, algebra and geometry and a little bit of trigonometry. You've left that back a few years ago. And so I don't know necessarily know if you're doing calculus A, B in the 12th grade, if you're optimized for doing well on that SAT or ACT. So, you know, because you got to shift gears, you got to, you know, go back to some of the things you learned earlier to do well in the SAT, ACT. Well, meanwhile, you're, you know, getting hammered in your courses for, you know, trying to trying to find a volume of a cylinder, whatever, you know, the, the, the calculus folks do, you know, in those in those years. So I guess, you know, um, the earlier you can start, the better. But I mean, what do you think about that? And what do you think about how early someone should, you know, prepare for the SAT, ACT? Well, a lot of students take uh, the PSAT their sophomore year. So that's kind of built in because they're, they're taking it in school now. But um, some I've heard, I've talked with some parents that are very hesitant to, to go down that path just because their student hasn't finished Algebra 2 yet. And my thought is, get them exposed as early as possible because they're going to see these questions on the SAT. And, and then when they go through algebra two, they'll be like, Oh, this is exactly the material that is on the SAT and it'll make, it'll make sense. And you can start testing. And, and like you said, the sooner that you can get those scores, the better. And although we talk about working with seniors and applying to the academies and ROTC scholarship senior year, realistically, my goal for you is, is our goal for you is to have the score that you want by the summer of your rising senior year. So you're a junior, it's April, it's May, it's, it's June and you have the score you want. That's optimal. Yeah, absolutely. And then that then will allow kind of those things that I mentioned earlier, the letters of assurance um, that, you know, that are usually given out in the August, September timeframe. And you're, you know, you're just not going to get that, you know, the, the academies are not going to give you a letter of assurance with a, suboptimal SAT or ACT score. It's just not going to happen. I mean, 100% of the time, it's not going to happen unless maybe you're an athlete, maybe, you know, that they may give you that letter of assurance if you're an athlete. But I mean, just, you know, standard Joe or Jane, uh, they're not going to give you a letter of assurance with a, with a suboptimal SAT score. So whatever works for you, uh, you know, er, I think earlier the better. And remember, the score is super scored. The, sometimes the question is asked, well, should we do, should, what would the academy think of me taking it multiple times? And my answer is that they see, they would see you as a person who has a lot of uh, resilience and, you know, a person who really wants this. So I, I don't think there's any downside to taking this test as many times as you'd like. Test early, test often. <laughs> exactly. So good. So those are the two things I think with academics. Did I miss anything that, you know, I know SAT and, and classes are kind of, and of course grades I think are the most important. 
So let's talk about athletics and physical fitness. Thoughts. That's a, thoughts. Thoughts. <laughs> so many thoughts. We all so have many. thoughts about it. <laughs> Uh, well, well, like you said, uh, when you were in high school, sir, you ended up running track and cross country because you didn't feel like you could join a super competitive team and, and compete at the varsity level. And that's a really important thought because depending on your school district and where you are right now, if you're a, a freshman or a sophomore in high school, you might not be able to join one of those tradi more traditional teams where it's a, it's a team sport, not necessarily an individual sport. So our advice to you is... If you are not yet in high school, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in middle school, pick a sport and specialize in, in it. So that way, when you get to high school, you can be competitive at least enough to get on the freshman team or the JV team and work your way up through the years to varsity. Because it's not about being on varsity your freshman year. It's about being on varsity, you know, at least at least lettering once. Uh, but that is such a critical element and, and just highlighting how critical it is that you have a varsity letter. It's, some, it's something 85% of students or something around those lines who, who get into service academies, who win scholarships, have at least one varsity letter. And a lot of those folks have multiple varsity letters. And, you know, maybe they lettered multiple times in the same sport or multiple times in different sports. So just showing that ability to excel in the field or, or wherever you compete is really critical for the academies and the ROTC programs to think that you're going to be successful in their program because you have to, fitness is, is a huge part of the military. Yep. And scoping out what's uh, maybe the competitive landscape of your high school and seeing maybe where the, where you can take your shot at. Like my high school, we were state bowling champions for a number of years. So we were like Colony Central High School. We were legends in bowling. So, I mean, you know, to me, I was a pretty good bowler, but to make the bowling team was real tough. So, you know, that would be like an example of like, um, you know, like a sport where you probably wouldn't want to compete. Now, I don't recommend necessarily recommend bowling as a sport to, you know, concentrate on in high school. It's not, doesn't have the reputation of being, you know, overly athletic. Uh, although I think, some professional bowlers might beg to differ with us on that one. Maybe Weber <laughs> or some of those, some of those guys. But in a, but you know, look at a sport that you can make. Like for example, my high school, the 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 boys cross country and track team was sort of in a in not super competitive. So I realized, and it doesn't take a lot of skill to um, you know to run, you know. Pretty much you learn that when you're about three years old. So, mm -hmm. you know, but our baseball team was outstanding. So I just knew I wasn't going to you know, make that team. So it's just kind of checking it out and also seeing what you like, you know, and what you, what interests you and things like that. But getting that start early and picking your spots, I think is yeah, very important. There's more and more sports today, too, to get involved in, um, you know, just working with different clients, hearing about the Raiders team for the first time as an example, where it's kind of like a crossfit uh, team where you're going out and you're doing challenges and obstacles so so de just depending on the sports at your high school it's going to be different and the academies are seeing a lot of these different sports now and i think going back to what you're saying is thinking about okay is the sport have athleticism involved in it or is it more of a singular skill that you gain like right. bowling yeah, bowling where you like you roll the ball and you eat a piece of pizza in between each in between ball, roll of the ball. Not 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 beer until after you you know get, become twenty one years old, of course. So just put your head. So, <laughs> sir, what if what if you're a sophomore 
and you just feel like you're in, you're either in a place where there are no sports or you, there's just really no opportunities for you to get involved, but you really want to go in the military as an officer, what, what would you tell that person? Yeah, I would say just try to uh, find a sport in your community that you can become good at outside of, uh, outside of your high school. Like you take a look, for example, at gymnastics. Uh, oftentimes gymnastics is uh, something you do outside of school, uh, that, that they don't have gymnastics teams in your high school. Maybe, you know, there's maybe there's no swim team in your high school, but there's, there's a local pool where they have like a, a community swim team that you can compete in uh, and, and, and do well in and get times that are comparable to being a high school athlete. Maybe there's like, um, martial arts, maybe you might, you know, look at, you know, becoming uh, heavily involved in that. Uh, so, you know, so I think there is those options. I mean, if you are, um, uh, you know, curious enough, uh, for example, racket sports like tennis, maybe squash or things like that, that are, you know, are actually club sports at the academy. Tennis is a varsity sport, but sometimes that you might not have that, but your local community has a very competitive tennis and you can work your way up the USTA, U.S. Tennis Association rankings and be uh, comparable to what you would do in a high school. So I think there's, you know, various ways that you can uh, do that. I think if you're if you're clever enough and think about it hard enough. And then I think one of the next questions that leads into our next category is why is there such an emphasis on sports and how does that relate to leadership. Yeah, exactly right. That's a great lead in. But before we do that, I just want to mention one more thing about the athletics is that, you know, physical fitness goes into that too. But, you know, sometimes some of these physical fitness is one dimensional. So like if you're a cross country runner, uh, you know, male or woman, male or female cross country runner, you know, you got to remember that the test is also going to test your upper body strength as well as your abdominal strength. So you know, you should be continuing to work your upper body strength and your abdomen, abdominal strength, even while you're, you know, doing your sports. So don't become one dimensional there. Make sure you're a well-rounded person who's working out on their own and making sure that, you know, you're preparing for the, the tests that the academies and ROTCs are going to be uh, giving you. But yeah, so let me, let me go into the, um, at, to the um, uh, leadership, which is the third category here. And so the third category of, of leadership, when we talk about athletics is, you know, by the time you're a senior, what you're hoping to do is you're hoping to become captain of, of the team uh, or a co-captain of a team. And this shows your leadership. Uh, this shows that you, you know, that your peers and coaches, hopefully your, your peers, preferably over your coaches, but, you know, but they see you as a leader. They see you as somebody who, you know, has set the example for the team you know, as a person that is, you know, athletically fit and is a great contributor. So the captains of the teams show that they put in the work and have the respect. And so that kind of goes, I think that kind of shows, you know, how you can get like a two for one there. You get that, uh, you know, that physical fitness, uh, athletics, and then you get the leadership points also. Really, really good point. And, and I think it's important to highlight that it takes a certain type of commitment and, and perseverance to become a captain. And a lot of times it is respect from your peers. And even if your coaches are choosing who the captain's going to be, it's usually because they have really good 
respect and, and rapport with their teammates, with their peers, with their subordinates, and with even with the, you know, if you're a junior and you're going to be chosen to be team captain potentially next year, how do you get along with the seniors right now? Because that, that all plays into it. So it's, it's putting in the time and the effort when you're a freshman and when you're a sophomore to show that you're committed to the team and that you would make a future good team captain. Right. And so that's really almost the same thing as what you would do with other parts of leadership too, you know, is kind of setting the example, you know, and we've talked about this in the previous podcasts and particularly the last podcast we did is, you know, is, you know, anything that can show that your peers respect you in some way, shape or form, or they've elected you, you know, school Senate, president, vice president, secretary, um, you know, things like that, that you're effectively leading your peers or even better, your peers have, have, uh, have elected you as this particular leader shows, uh, I think that, you know, you are a leader and that's really what the, the academies and ROTC are looking for is, a is the vote from your peers that you are a leader, because when you go to the academies and ROTC, you're going to be leading your peers. And so, you know, you can do that in school. You can do that outside of school. I mean, it's not, you know, you just, it's, there's plenty of opportunities in your school from yearbook to, you know, to student Senate, to, you know, class president, vice president, to all the different clubs that you can run, uh, you know, the, the, in, in, and you can even make your own club in high school, you know, so it's not like, you know, you can make, like we've had candidates make their own clubs, um, you know, and, and have made themselves a president of their own club. Now, I don't, you know, I think that's a good thing, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, as long as it's, you know, something that they're interested in and that's what they want to do. Uh, and then, of course, there's, you know, outside of school too, you can, you know, find a myriad of opportunities. I mean, this world or your community is looking for leaders, looking for people to, to take responsibility and to, you know, to motivate others in order to accomplish a mission or goal. And, and, you know, if you just kind of open your eyes and look around, you can see all sorts of things that could use uh, a good leader to, uh, to kind of accomplish something. One of the examples that I, I like to use for myself when and kind of talking about how I was just lucky enough to be in the right position with my resume and extracurriculars in high school to take junior year and still get into Air Force. Uh, I was a member of the Student Leadership Council at the local YMCA where we would get together and we would talk about how to make positive uh, impacts with kids in the community. And then I also ran a few book drives where during teacher conference nights, uh, parent-teacher conference nights at, at elementary schools, we would go to and we would volunteer to read books to the kids while their parents were in there if they didn't have sitters or anything like that. So there's, and that's just because I liked helping out little kids, and and I that's that's what I wanted to do in high school. So it's it's really good to just pick what you're interested in and go with it and get involved. And and it, there might not be the, it might not drop in front of you, you know, but you might see the opportunity and just go for it when it's something that you're interested in, but you also might have to make it happen yourself. Right. Yeah. So you can, you know, have it because of it's an interest like you or, yeah, or you develop it on your own, but there's just so much out there. You just have to let your mind think about it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I sometimes recommend that candidates go and do a food drive or do, uh, you know, do clean up your local community. I mean, you look at the road in your local community and it's got garbage all over it. What do you, well, what are you doing about it? 
So that's a good point is it, it takes initiative. That's what they're looking for is, did you have the initiative to go out and, and make the world a better place in some way, shape or form? Right. Exactly. And so the final part, I think, of the leadership that um, you cover in your article that I think is important is this kind of military propensity uh, that I think is, you know, oftentimes overlooked until much later. Like, you know, I'll sometimes recommend when I see a junior or a senior, well, maybe join, join Civil Air Patrol just to get some interest in Civil Air Patrol. Well, the the problem with like things like Civil Air Patrol or young Marines or uh, sea cadets is that oftentimes the candidate, the the candidates or cadets or midshipmen that uh, are seat by the time they're juniors and seniors, you know they they're senior people in the organization, you know in these cadet organizations, and sometimes even you know if they're if you got fast moving people, even you know maybe ninth or tenth graders are now like senior people in in these organizations. So if you're a senior going and you go to say Civil Air Patrol you're going to be, you know, underneath or, you know, subordinate to a ninth grader or a 10th grader. And it can be kind of like a blow to, you know, some of these individuals. And sometimes it just get turned off by these military, you know, kind of auxiliaries or, or, you know, kind of high school organizations. So I think it's important to get an early start with these, whether it's junior ROTC in your high school, civil air patrol, young Marines, et cetera, you know, get going in ninth or 10th grade so that by the time you're, you know, a junior or senior, you've made the ranks. If you're in Civil Air Patrol, you've made Mitchell or higher Earhart Award or something like that. The second thing that's really interesting about the uh, military propensity is that how much it, it is important to the academies and ROTCs. And, you know, I take Navy ROTC for an example, and I've heard, you know, several people that, that are in the know with Navy ROTC that, you know, that if you are have that, if you're in like high school and you have a Navy junior ROTC program in your high school and you're not a member of Navy junior ROTC, they have significant concerns about you and, and what your motivation is for being in the Navy. Uh, but they actually give additional points and additional consideration for those who actually have uh, participation in these organizations. So I think it's worth a very serious look uh, if you are particularly in ninth or 10th grade or even earlier seventh or eighth grade to look at one of these organizations because it just counts for so much. And it's also going to a service academy, going through to ROTC, you're talking a minimum of eight to nine years of your life. And joining one of those organizations can help you figure out, is this really what I want? Especially if you don't come from a military family and you have no military background. So it's a really good opportunity to not only boost your overall profile, but to just give you a better sense of understanding what you're committing to, because it is a huge commitment. Yeah. And uh, it's only about one day a week are these meetings. So usually in the evening after school. So it's not like, you know, you're going to be having to go five days a week. So it does give you that kind of taste of the military uh, and kind of gives you an idea of whether or not this is something that you want to do. I completely agree. So it's something you should definitely, you know, consider as part of your kind of extracurricular kit bag, as we might say. So good. So the final um, uh, area is character. And so what do we mean by that? And uh, why is this, why do we include this in the four, in, in kind of the big four here? Well, I think you could be an excellent uh, scholar and an athlete and, and maybe not have the best leadership skills or the best character. I think a lot of times character and leadership go hand in hand. 
But underneath it all, underneath these three pillars that we've talked about, character is everywhere. So to be, you know, to to be good at your your academics, your athletics, and to be a leader, you have to be a person who does the right thing, even when no one's looking. And I think if you strip away everything else, it's do you make the right decisions? Do you do you have a moral compass? And are you doing that always, no matter what? Right. It's like the Air Force integrity first, you know, which is, you know, that's, uh, you know, shows you what the, you know, what the Air Force values and, you know, and are you a selfless person, you know, a selfless leader? Um, you know, you could be the captain of your team and maybe be the, you know, the president of your class, but you may be a selfish person. I mean, are you, are you, you know, do you kind of embody these values that, you know, that we're looking for in the military? And I know that, you know, I've talked about this in a separate podcast uh, about, you know, kind of the value, the values that you, that we embody, that we're looking for people to embody this kind of, you know, selfless servant, uh, you know, what, what do you bring to the military and what, you know, and why are you doing what you're doing? In other words, are you going into the military? Are you going into the service academy so that you can have the prestige of graduating from a service mm-hmm. academy? Mm-hmm. Or are you going into a service academy in order to be able to lead America's soldiers, sailors, airmen, and, and Marines? And I think that it's a little bit different of an emphasis than, than, uh, than what maybe a college and university is looking for in admissions. College and university is looking for, you know, what have you done, right, in a lot of ways, you know, what, what, if, what kind of scholar athlete leader, more like scholar and leaders, more kind of what uh, colleges are looking for, maybe some athletics too, but, you know, they're looking for what is, you know, what are your base uh, uh, accomplishments, whereas I think, you know, for the military, they're looking for that kind of the values proposition that I talked about, and I think that one of the big errors that that people make that oftentimes I know you and I and Colonel Reynolds need oftentimes need to correct in a person when we work with them, uh, you know, on their interview prep and other things is to shift their thinking because their thinking tends to be, hey, this is what I've done. And because I've done this, you know, you, you need to select me. Whereas I think coming at it from a different coming from a viewpoint of, you know, the of a value set of what the military considers to be important is going to be uh, is going to make is going to make a better impression if you're a ninth and tenth grade right now you have such a potential to take this kind of wisdom that we're giving you and apply it throughout the rest of your high school career to think about your your classmates and how you're helping your classmates what you're doing for them your classmates your teammates anyone that's on your life because i think that's something that's not really discussed much with students is the fact that yes, you're going to be an officer, but what does that actually look like? And really you're taking care of your enlisted folks. That's your job. Or or if you're a senior officer to take care of your junior officers and and their enlisted folks. And just looking at that big picture, what are you doing now to take care of people? You know, are you going to be willing to stay late to, to write that, that, to help that person who, who works for you or right now as your peer in high school, are you willing to, to take the extra effort to go out of the way to help one of your classmates if they're failing in, in your class? Are you going to help them to tutor them through, through the class is just an example, but it's, it's examples like that, that show that when the time comes, when you are on active duty, uh, you are going to be willing to help your people. 
Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, how you work with your teammates and, you know, how you show this kind of teamwork. I know that I sometimes work with candidates and I know that that's just not, but they, when they come across initially, they look like, when they look like a leader, it's like, I'm the leader and there's, and I was just leading around a bunch of flunkies, you know, whereas, you know, what you're trying to do, you know, and that's, and, and I know they don't mean it that way, but it comes across that way, you know, that, that, you know, I was a leader and everyone else was just kind of a sideshow. Incompetent. Right. In, incompetent or wasn't, weren't as, you know, or they just, you know, if, if I wasn't there, everything would have fallen apart. So, you know, I think that, you know, by kind of being humble and realizing that nothing ever gets accomplished by yourself, you accomplish it as a team. Nothing ever happens in the military as an individual person. You know, it always happens as a member of a team. Like, you know, when you look at Top Gun, you want to be Iceman. You don't want to be Maverick, right? Because, you know, Iceman never leaves the wingman versus, you know, Maverick. You never knew what Maverick was going to do. Maverick was a uh was a, a lone wolf well yeah. in, the end, in the end of the movie he wasn't a lone wolf but you know like you get my point it's just that you know you you don't want to be a maverick you want to be Iceman. great advice. i guess yeah well i mean you know given the, the latest top gun movie just came out i don't feel like i'm dated anymore now no not at all it's re it's refreshing we'll see. i don't know i don't think it's going to win the academy award this year but you know we'll see what happens <laughs> i couldn't i can't believe it's in, it's on the academy award list this year <laughs> So awesome. So be ice man or ice woman. Yeah. Take care yeah. of your people. Take right. care of your either, either one. That, maybe that's why Iceman was uh Iceman was a four-star admiral. And and <laughs> and Maverick was was an 06 colonel. That's, I'm sure that's why it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, you can tell I think about these things, you know, all the time. But, <laughs> okay. All right. So academics, athletics, leadership, and character. So I think we covered those, not, you know, like super in depth, but enough kind of to get everybody the idea of, of what those are all about and getting that early start that, you know, we want to emphasize. So we have a major announcement now, don't we? Yes, we do. We have a huge update for all of our listeners. Tell me, because this was your idea. This was not my idea. This was your <laughs> idea. I'm not taking any credit for this, but what is it? Well, we realistically, the reason why we're filming this is because we just noticed a huge gap in education, uh, folks coming to us and not really understanding what they needed to do in ninth and 10th grade to get ready for service academies. So we are super excited to announce our new course. It's going to be a monthly course, a monthly subscription course specifically designed for eighth, ninth and 10th graders who are interested potentially in going into the military as an officer. And it's going to provide them with month or with weekly videos and activities to help just prepare them to succeed uh, during the application cycle. So we're calling it the ninth and 10th grade um, coaching course for anyone that's interested in um, the service academies or ROTC scholarships. It's going to give kids a great foundation on just making sure that all four of those categories are covered and helping them learn what they have to do now early in the process to be successful, but also kind of re-engaging re them every once in a while and keeping them motivated, keeping them on track to be successful for when they do start applying. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know this was uh, an area that we knew we had, to, we had to do. And so, you know, as soon as you told me this uh, or you gave this idea, I said, we got to do it. So that means you get to see more videos with both of us talking 
to you about you know, about all sorts of different uh, subjects. So they're like many, many videos of like six to seven minutes max, I think. And we just talk about a specific thing, you know, that uh, that I think that we think that you should concentrate on. And, and so I've already done a bunch of these videos and I had a blast doing them. So we're they're already ready. There a lot of them are ready to go right now. So we cannot wait to see you in the course and talk to you more about getting ready in ninth and 10th grade. We're excited about it. And we really hope that if you're in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade, and you, you know, and you're interested in ROTC or the service academy that you sign up for this, uh, for this uh, subscription course. So if you're interested in, in signing up for this course and you're listening to the podcast, you can go ahead and check out our show notes. And we'll have the link uh, in, in the show notes for you so you can sign up and we hope to see you in the course. Okay. Thanks, Trish. It's great to see you again. It's great to see you, sir. You've reached the end of another episode of the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast. Connect with us at GainServiceAcademyAdmission.com. Love this episode of the podcast? Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you listen to to subscribe, rate and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.